Thank you for choosing Talks News, your only source of allegiance pledged to liberty and justice for all. A seamless intro for a seamless transition. We've got, thankfully, the Militia Watch update coming right on time on a Monday. Right on time. And then, um, unfortunately, well, we'll save that for last. I got a couple of articles actually educational in nature. So it's not just going to be taken down right-wing demagoguery. It's going to be a little bit more than that. But there will be the demagoguery at the very end because Crowder just had to go out of his way to state that transphobia is a policy statement. All right. So where do we begin? I'm going to guess with the Militia Watch update. Since I'm actually technically in control of this, I'm going to go with the Militia Watch update. So this update comes from the March 8th weekly update. Let's get things in order here. Got to have law and order on this podcast. There we go. All right. So this week's updates features some of the following. Pardon me. Uh, Boogaloo adherent ad- arrested for trying to escalate violence at BLM protests. All right. Congress getting canceled over vague fears of a militia threat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful March 4th, which amounted to nothing. Uh, The Oath Keepers J6QRF, which I have no idea what any of that is about, but interesting. And then we have Gosar offers a public endorsement of fascism. All right. Yeah, just rolling right into the hits. So beginning with Boogaloo adherent arrested for trying to incite violence at BLM actions. Again, you can find this on uh, militia.watch. But it begins... Jop Willem Lijbers, a Boogaloo adherent from the Netherlands, was arrested this week for his alleged attempts to escalate the situation at BLM demonstrations. This provides yet another public example of Boogaloo boys joining BLM or other ostensibly left movements to try to use them as a fulcrum to push for the Civil War meme from which their name is derived. The name being uh, Electric Boogaloo or Civil War II Electric Boogaloo is where that originally comes from. Uh, There was a fundraiser for the arrestee pretty quickly. Almost as quickly, though, this fundraiser was taken offline. This arrest has also pushed a few other articles or announcements. For example, a piece in Homeland Security Today about the evolution of the Boogaloo movement. Interesting. Or an FBI agent saying that the movement isn't as lighthearted as the Hawaiian shirts they often don. Other media is seemingly catching up on research done on the Boogaloo that's now months old, like the Dallas News covering, the North Texas Boogaloo movement. Despite this catching up, or perhaps because of it, some journalists have been struggling with how to cover these movements. This past week, a claimed Boogaloo informant was provided an outlet in Salon as a quote-unquote would-be revolutionary. All right. Thanks, Salon. Uh, if you are or know a local journalist and lo- and are looking for a useful handbook on how to cover these movements, Militia Watch highly recommends this guide from Chris Jones at 100 Days in Appalachia. Data and Society also put out a handbook two and a half years ago on the quote-unquote oxygen of amplification that is well worth brushing up on two, which can be read here. And I also wonder if CNN had read this before they brought on Enrique Tario from the Proud Boys. I wonder if they're familiar with uh, oxygen of amplification. 
Anyways, perhaps related to clumsy reporting on these groups, so much of our current reporting environment can be tied to the particulars of the national security framework now being applied to movements like the Boogaloo. The DHS this past week released yet another vague memo in which they said domestic terror causes quote-unquote could escalate in 2021. Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, said the same thing, warning that domestic terrorism is growing in the United States. So, that is why I personally take a visit to Militia.Watch Weekly, is because I too believe that it is on the rise and has been on the rise since 2016. Um, it's definitely got earlier movements with the whole 2A argument, stemming back to Waco. Uh, what is it? The uh, uh, What was it? Not Eamon Bundy, but Bundy Ranch is another one that kind of coincides that, but I'm thinking of someone else. Um, it's just barely skipping my brain. It was right around the time of Waco, and my brain just is, it's like right at the tip of it, and it can't grasp it. Um, Ruby Ridge, Jesus. All right. Um, yep. So, I mean, since we've had, you know, federal agencies really mess up certain uh, aspects of respecting people's constitutional rights and such things like that there's been a fervent libertarian and even further right mobilization in the united states that concerns me um i had something else that i thought to might be important because i thought it was funny since they had brought up blm the boogaloo boy trying to incite riots at him uh the punisher creator revealed new black lives matter skull logo this is my favorite this is my favorite thing that is i've seen today just just this is this is a tangent that I want to get into. And in, in, in other good news, um, the, the creator or co-creator of The Punisher says for too long, symbols associated with a character I co-created have been co-opted by forces of oppression and to intimidate black Americans. This character and symbol was never intended as a symbol of oppression. This is a symbol of a system systematic failure of equal justice it's time to claim this symbol for the cause of equal justice and black lives matter um and after just a day on sale he's sold nearly three thousand and raised forty thousand dollars for black lives matter los angeles awesome because like not too long ago i had seen a blue lives punisher on a state trooper's car and that brought a lot of concern to me because i advocate for a position that the law enforcement should not idolize the punisher a vigilante who takes justice into his own hands um that sounds like a dangerous kind of system to have for law enforcement um especially state sanctioned law enforcement but anyways thought that was some good news in all of this uh back to the <laughs> militia watch out of the tangent back into the the set programming here the house called off session due to militia threat this week, a House session was canceled due to extremely vague claims about an online threat made by a militia group. Militia Watch has not been able to confirm within our network what the specifics of this were, but assume it may have been over the QAnon conspiracy theory that Trump would be sworn in on the 4th of March. While there are certainly very real threats and have been for longer than... Um, hold on and have been for longer than Militia Watch has ever been around, this contemporary political social scene we find ourselves in has led to perhaps a hypervigilance about perceived threats should the FBI or DHS begin to express concern publicly. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and this is certainly, like, I don't know, it, it even grew pretty strong during the Obama eras. Um, but 
let's move on here. J6 updates. Because J6 never ends. It happened one day and it just keeps going. Um, Robert Menuda's tattoo shop was vandalized. One of the Oath Keepers charged with storming the Capitol and also security personnel for Roger Stone in D.C. within the day reportedly had his tattoo shop vandalized this week. The shop Casa de Delore Tattoo Parlor is located in Newburgh, New York. Most of the windows were broken and in black spray paint, someone added the phrase Antifa did this. I mean, the, the thing is, is it's like I, I just got done watching the trial of the Chicago seven. And it's like if the Black Lives Matter sent like letter or not Black Lives Matter, but the Black Panther movement had sent letters to like the, the jurors families and like we're watching you and then signed it the Black Panthers. Like that's just like so obvious of a frame job. I, I really don't think. And plus, like Antifa, of course, isn't like a centralized movement. So again, by spray painting Antifa did this, it's just so, how is this not being framed as a frame job? But I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But um, in parentheses here, it says, it's perhaps worth mentioning that the inclusion of this phrase doesn't necessarily mean anti-fascists actually vandalized the shop. And there has been a small but public pattern of similar vandalization being used for insurance claims. See, I had the same suspicion. Um, much about the actual vandalization of the shop is still unknown, beyond the fact that it was vandalized overnight this week. Yeah, so it's very strange that, like, you know, I fucked your shit up illegally, signed the guy who did it. That's just so weird. Um, some notes on the Oath Keepers. Quick reaction force. Oh, that's what QRF stands for. So, there's been a bit of discussion of this quick reaction force in the FBI documents submitted as evidence accompanying their charges for J6. The newest court documents by defendant Oath Keepers now claim that their QRF, quick reaction force, was one old guy with a bad knee. Not sure how much I buy that. However, there was a crew of men just across the bridge in Arlington gathered near their trucks at the Marine Corps War uh, Memorial, potentially in preparation for something more escalatory, a detail that hasn't been investigated too far yet. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. I'm sure like this like hodgepodge of like, you know, old law enforcement, maybe even current law enforcement and war veterans decided to make their quick reaction force an old guy with a bad knee. I, I, I buy that as much as the prosecution does. Anyways, many charge now saying that Trump is to blame for their actions, which is why I wish they brought witnesses. It would have been great just to watch a reel of all his supporters throwing him under the bus rather than the other way around. Anyways... In a defense tactic that actually hasn't worked for others who have tried it, some J6 defendants are attempting to place liability for their actions on the inciting words of Donald Trump. It's unlikely that this will have much of an impact on their individual court proceedings. That's too bad. In 2018, the Kansas Crusaders, a 3%ers security force subunit splinter, attempted to blame Trump's words for their actions. They were sentenced a year later for their plans to bomb an apartment complex housing uh, Somali refugees. Um, it's a lot harder for me to actually see how the Somali refugees were actually uh, targeted by Trump's words. You know, his general xenophobic and contempt towards refugees may bring it that way. But f f as far as the J6 situation, that one's a little bit different. There's, there's a lot more rhetoric and things Trump did that 
tie his words to the actions of the people that day, but uh, proving that he wanted you to bomb a Somali refugee house is uh, a little harder to prove. Anyways, FBI chief says no evidence that Antifa took part in the storming, which is funny. He, like even even Trump had floated this idea that some of the protesters that did that were a bunch of Antifa trying to make the Trump supporters look bad. But continuing on, kind of an obvious one here, but given the conspiracy theories around the storming being a false flag perpetuated <laughs> perpetrated by Biden and his Antifa allies. <laughs> Oh my god. It's just like the the far right don't even know what Biden truly is. And like neoliberalism is not good for them, but it, it, believing that he's like this far left radical is just insane to me. FBI director Christopher Ray confirmed in the Senate that there is no evidence that anti-fascist groups took part in the storming of the Capitol. And that is the end of that. All right, four charges against NFAC lead dropped. Still indicted on a fifth, though. According to sympathetic sources, Grandmaster Jay, the leader of the Not Fucking Around Coalition, had four of his five charges dropped this week, following federal charges associated with his pointing a rifle at deputies in Kentucky late last summer. He was indicted the week before by a grand jury. Several members of the UK chapter of the NFAC also protested in front of the U.S. Embassy, calling for the leader to be fully exonerated of his wanton endangerment charges. They left a little note here. It says, this is not yet verified, though Jay's legal proceedings don't get a lot of news coverage in general. Hmm. I wonder if that's part of the, the whole, you know, not giving oxygen to amplification because they don't want to bring too much awareness to NFAC. And the NFAC does kind of concern me about just as much as three percentages do because uh, I, I, I definitely get segregationist black nationalist vibes from NFAC. Um, uh, I don't want to call them like radical Islamic extremists yet, but uh, they they definitely concern me with their black nationalism and whether or not there's a coexistence for multiculturalism in their ideology. Anyways, GOP representative Paul Gosar skipped COVID relief vote to speak at white nationalist conference. God damn it. Oh, how did he think that like nobody would see him? That's terrible. Paul Gosar, a GOP representative from Arizona, skipped a stimulus vote to speak at the AFPAC. Uh, Nick Fuentes's CPAC spinoff for even further right nationalists. Nick Fuentes. Uh, the millennial internet fascist, Nick Fuentes. This is a disturbing development because it has empowered groipers to claim that the speaking feature gives them more legitimacy, even as the movement has been dodging bans and deplatforms from social media and payment processors in the past few months. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, I'm just not going to be surprised when we see more QAnon, Trumpists, loyalists, and then more AFPAC candidates or America First. That's basically what it means is America First Political Action Convention. So, yeah, the, the America First QAnon and the Trump movement are essentially one. They're not even that far from really becoming one legitimate party underneath the Republican Party. It's just really hard for them to get platform their ideas because it deals in a lot of bigotry and ignorance. So that's cool. Um, they have further readings on the Enrique Tario interview from Explica. 
I guess concerning the CNN one, or is there another interview? No, it's it's from the CNN one. Okay. And then they have on uh, American Patriots three percenters leak. There was a leak reported by the Guardian. U.S. militia group draws members from military and police website leak shows. Well, okay. Well, that's that's really old knowledge. I can't even remember the. Well, there's like a sheriff's group out in California that is like, even in the uh, within the sheriff's department, there's a militia group within it, and I can't. I think they're called the Executioners. Um, so like this is honestly old news. Every time like mainstream media finally catches on that militias and the military and police forces are magnets for white supremacists and insurrectionists i'm literally never surprised and yet these stories keep coming out as if it is new news it's very old news um yeah so there's that but shouts out to the co-creator of the punisher that's good news all right this one's been a lot of me talking and i don't think it's going to get any better than that so that's the same article from earlier that I do not want. So I saw from Bloomberg Wealth a pretty interesting article that I am going to read to you so that we get all the information. And then there's another study that follows that up that I think also too is important before we get to Steven Crowder and why transphobia is a policy statement. Um, food prices are soaring faster than inflation and incomes, reports Bloomberg Wealth. This is to bring of concern because this is usually a pretty good sign of an economy going through stagnation or I guess what a bunch of economists decided to call stagflation where prices rise but economic growth or economic demand stagnates or even declines. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean we're heading towards a Great Depression. It just doesn't mean um, it's going to be real great for the working class or consumers. And we'll get into why because I think the reporting on this was pretty well done. So... Let me find where it begins. Yes, yes, indubitably. Let me zoom in so the YouTube video can read along. Might even get a sip of coffee. If you got worker's fuel, sip it if you got it. Oh, too much zoom, too much zoom. All right, there we go. All right, let's do it. So, Bloomberg reports that global food prices are going up and the timing couldn't be worse. In Indonesia, tofu is 30% more expensive than it was in December. In Brazil, the price of local mainstay, uh, mainstay turtle beans is up 54% compared to last January. In Russia, consumers are paying 61% more for sugar than a year ago. Yikes. Emerging markets are feeling the pain of a blistering surge in raw material costs, as commodities from oil to copper and grains are driven higher by expectations for a quote-unquote roaring 20s post-pandemic economic recovery, as well as ultra-loose monetary policies. If you remember, Trump did a good amount of deregulating, so much deregulating that as soon as that they added a regulation, two were to be removed. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. For every one, two are gone. That's basically working backwards. Um, consumers in the U.S., Canada, and Europe won't be immune either as companies already under pressure from pandemic-related disruptions and rising transport and packaging costs run out of ways to absorb the surge, which means that most of that is going to go into either workers' hours, workers' pay, workers' benefits, or the consumers' but we'll, we're getting there. Quote, people will have to get used to paying 
more for food, unquote, said Sylvian Charlboys. I'm sorry if I mispronounce any names in here. You guys all have very unique names. Charleboy, maybe? Charleboys, maybe? Uh, director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University in Canada. Quote, it's, go- it's only going to get worse, unquote. While never welcome, the coming round of food inflation will be especially tough. As the pandemic wrought, uh, ha- wrought havoc on the global economy, it ushered in new concerns about hunger and malnutrition, even in the world's wealthiest countries. In the UK, the Trussell Trust gave out a record 2,600 food parcels a day to children in the first six months of the pandemic. In the US, the COVID-19 crisis pushed an additional 13.2 million people into food insecurity, a 35% jump from 2018, according to estimates from Feeding America, the nation's largest hunger relief organization. In the U.S., prices rose close to 3% in the year ending January 2nd, according to Nielsen IQ, roughly double the overall rate of inflation. That small jump adds up particularly for families already near the edge. The poorest Americans already spend 36% of their income on food, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and mass layoffs in lower-wage work like retail and transportation have increased the strain on household budgets. Meanwhile... The price of staples like grains, sunflower, seeds, soybeans, and sugar have soared, pushing global food prices to a fresh six-year high in January. They're not likely to fall anytime soon, thanks to a combination of poor weather, increased demand, and virus-mangled global supply chains. I'm not going to add too much commentary in here either, because it, it mostly gets to the point. So developed markets tend to be insulated from short-term price spikes because food is more processed and the food chain is more elaborate. In the process of turning a bushel of corn into a bag of Tostitos, food companies have a lot of room to absorb incremental costs, said David Yubalava. I really feel like I said that wrong. I'm so sorry, Yubalava, a senior lecturer at the University of Sydney who specializes in agricultural economics. But when costs stay high for a sustained period of time, companies start thinking about how to pass them on. Because if we remember, we're in a capitalist system, and capitalism demands that surplus value is made so that shareholders increase in their value as well. That's a problem. But... That's not what the article is getting into, and that's unfortunate because in a pandemic and a crisis of food shortage and hunger, malnutrition, uh, nutrition and satisfying hunger should be first before monetary value. But the article continues with a quote, we are experiencing inflation right now, as is everybody else, said Congra Brands Inc. Chief Executive Officer Sean Connolly had said in an interview. Costs are up for oils, pork, and eggs, plus packaging materials like cardboard and steel. The company parent to more than 70 brands, including Birdseye, Chef Boyardee, and UD's Gluten-Free, says raising prices is one of the levers it could pull this year to counter rising costs. General Mills, the maker of Cheerios, YoPlay, and Blue Buffalo Pet Food is also looking at price increases, said John Nudie, who leads the North American retail division, at least, quote, in the areas we see significant inflation, unquote. Dave Sysinski, 
chief executive officer of Lancaster Colony Corp., which makes the Marzetti brand and others, said they anticipate a sustained period of rising costs. The company is going to have to figure out how to, quote, justifiably or appropriately pass on these costs, unquote, he told analysts in an earnings call. Yikes. Even the cost of white label goods, also known as house brands, is likely to go up, notably in the second half of the year, said Stephen Oakland, CEO of Treehouse Foods, which makes products for grocery stores to sell under their own brand names. Quote, we're working very closely to decide what we can mitigate, he said. What we what do we need to pass on? What's the right movement with the cut with the consumer? Question mark. Unquote. Um, the increases might not be immediately obvious to shoppers. Instead of raising the sticker price, retailers may cut back on multi buy deals or special promotions. Last year, the number of grocery items sold on promotion in the U.S. dropped by 20 percentage points, according to Nielsen IQ data, partly because pandemic-driven logistical challenges squeezed supply. There may also be another round of so-called shrinkflation, where the price stays the same, but the product size shrinks. That's long been a popular tactic in the U.K., where a decade-long supermarket price war has kept prices low. Which isn't good because after a uh, product size shrinks, they'll eventually sell you the the old size of the product at that marked up price, like double the price of what it used to be for what it used to be. You know, that's that's probably where that eventually ends up going. You know, you, you get a sn smaller Snicker bar today and the price stays the same, but you get a the, the, the old size of the Snicker bar with a jumped up price later on. Um, a study by the Office for National Statistics found between January 2012 and June 2017, a period when food companies faced rising costs, plus a weakening pound, as many as 2,529 products were made smaller, more than four times the number that increased in size. British shoppers took special exception to the shrinking of Mars Maltesers hmm, by 15% and bird's eye dropping from 12 to, 15, or 12 to 10 fish fingers in a packet. Quote, I expect it to be a continued feature of the way that food is sold in the UK going forward, unquote. Richard Lim, CEO of Consultancy Retail Economics, said, quote, I don't think we'll see a stop to this, unquote. The first quote in the, earliest, uh, in the earlier part of this had said that it's only going to get worse. But right now, back to the article, right now, food prices in the UK are flat or declining, but Lilana Danila? Economist at the British Retail Consortium says she expects that to change, and it could come as a bit of a shock. A decade-long supermarket price war has accustomed British consumers to the cheapest prices in Europe. Quote, they are maybe a bit more likely to be less prepared than consumers in other places. Unquote, Danila said. Adding to the pressure in the UK is the impact of Brexit, which is adding complications and delays to previously frictionless trade. The UK's Food and Drink Federation estimates that red tape and new border checks could add £3 billion, or $4.1 billion, in costs per year for food importers. Yikes, that food importers are going to move that cost, and we're not going to like where it goes. Um, anyways, the food industry in North America has its own expensive challenges. In particular, a shortage of both shipping containers and truck drivers has made it more costly to transport food, and the rising price of oil has raised packaging costs. In emerging markets where people typically eat food closer to its natural state and prices change quickly, families are having to confront the issue right now. 
quote, I got a smaller piece of tempeh and tofu now with the same price as last week, unquote, said Rehiyu, who goes by one name as many in Indonesia do, a 64-year-old grandmother in West Java province, noting that in recent weeks, the price of chili had more than doubled to 70,000 rupee, or $4.97 per kilogram. Quote, I'm going to need to use less. Unquote. With these pressures building, Russia and Argentina have put price curbs on certain staples and slapped tariffs on exports in an attempt to contain domestic food prices. In some richer countries, governments are focusing more on self-sufficiency than price controls. France is planning to boost its output of high-protein crops to cut reliance on soybean imports, while Singapore recently became the first country to approve sales of lab-created meat as it pushes to boost its domestic food capacity. And I mean, that's a good possibility. I, I know it freaks people out, but um, as long as we can provide health uh, benefits, maybe agricultural system can change, especially with climate change around the corner. Anyways, back to the article. Others are looking to broad uh, stimulus measures testifying before the U.S. House Financial Services Committee last week. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell pointed to food insecurity as one example of how the pandemic has strained poor communities and as another impetus to get or impetus to get the uh, economy moving again. Quote, I think we've all been struck. How could you not be struck by the uptake in the food area? Unquote, Powell said. It's a sign that support is needed and we really need to get the economy recovered as soon as possible. Stagflation isn't necessarily anything that's um, not too new to the United States. We apparently had a bit of stagflation going back into the 1970s. Um, it wasn't the, the worst of times, but it certainly wasn't the best. And it definitely means that uh, the country itself really needs to reevaluate its budget um, and maybe cutting some from the military complex. It just shows, too, that, you know what, we're going to get into it with this next next article. We're going to get into it. So coming from International Labor Organization is their uh, global wages report that they report every year. And it says here that COVID-19 drives wages down. New ILO report finds. Even before the COVID pandemic hit, hundreds of millions of workers, hundreds of millions of workers worldwide were being paid less than the minimum wage. This came out December 2nd, 2020. And we begin now. A new report by the International Labor Organization has found that monthly wages fell or grew more slowly in the first six months of 2020 as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic in two-thirds of the countries for which official data was available and that the crisis is likely to inflict massive downward pressure on wages in the near future. I also wanted to read this too for the fact that the, that the Senate uh, refused to add the $15 minimum federal wage to the bill. Uh, the COVID relief bill. So this this is important and is tied to the greater, broader picture. So the wages of women and low-paid workers have been disproportionately affected by the crisis. Furthermore, while average wages in one-third of the countries that provided data appeared to increase, this was largely as a result of substantial numbers of lower-paid workers losing their jobs and therefore skewing the average since they were no longer included in the data for wage earners. In countries where strong measures were taken to preserve employment, the effects of the crisis were felt primarily as falls in wages rather than massive job losses. That's very significant. The crisis has also 
affected lower paid workers severely. This is in lower skilled occupations lost more working hours than higher paying managerial and professional jobs. Using data from the group of 28 European countries, the report shows that without temporary subsidies, the lowest paid 50% of workers would have lost an estimated 17.3% of their wages. Without subsidies, the average amount of wages lost across all groups would have been 6.5%. However, wage subsidies compensated for 40% of this amount. So, quote, The growth and inequality created by the COVID-19 crisis threatens a legacy of poverty and social and economic instability that would be devastating, unquote, said ILO, International Labor, Labor Organization Director, General Guy Ryder. Quote, our recovery strategy must be human-centered. We need adequate wage policies that take into account the sustainability of jobs and enterprises and also addresses inequalities and the need to sustain demand. If we are going to build a better future, we must also deal with some uncomfortable questions about why jobs with high social value, like carers and teachers are very often linked to low pay. The report includes an analysis of minimum wage systems, which could play an important role in building a recovery that is sustainable and equitable. Minimum wages are currently in place in some form in 90% of ILO member states. But even before the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, the report finds that globally 266 million people, 15% of all wage earners worldwide, were earning less than the hourly minimum wage, either because of non-compliance or because they were legally excluded from such schemes. Women are overrepresented among workers earning the minimum wage or less. Quote, adequate minimum wages can protect workers against low pay and reduce inequality, said uh, Rosalia Vasquez Alvarez, one of the authors of the report. Quote, but ensuring that minimum wage policies are effective requires a comprehensive and inclusive package of measures. It means better compliance, extending coverage to more workers, and setting minimum wages at an adequate, up-to-date level that allows people to build a better life for themselves and their families. In developing and emerging countries, better compliance will require moving people away from informal work and into the formal sector. So wrapping it up here, the Global Wage Report 2020 of 2021 also looks at wage trends in 136 countries in the four years preceding the pandemic. It found that global real wage growth fluctuated between 1.6 and 2.2%. Real wages increased most rapidly in Asia and the Pacific and Eastern Europe and much more slowly in North America and Northern and Southern and Western Europe. So... Uh, for further reading, please go into that report coming from the International Labor Organization. It is a pretty good deep dive on how tied the minimum wage is to the overall structure of the economy and how important it is that people have not a starvation wage, but a livable one. So moving on, moving on, because, you know, with the food shortage uh, thing kind of going out, um, we, we, we're, we're also suffering at a point of not having too much consumer confidence or low demand because a lot of people don't have the wage to take on a, 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 as many groceries as they did when the prices were lower. So this is kind of a domino in the set of this domino 
uh, effect. This is only these are two pieces that I have brought to the forefront of Tox News's reporting today, and I think it's very important that people get more research into them. So please go to the International Labor Organization, uh, find it on Google, do what you have to do to get this report because it is a great essential read. That was just a rundown of it. So please look up the whole report. The whole report itself on the website is still only like a 20 minute read. So it's, it's worthwhile. Get some friends around, you know, you know, trade the phone or tablet around on whose turn it is to read the next section. All right. So Crowder, what did you decide to spend today on Crowder? It's international women's day. Shouts out to all the women and Crowder wanted to take that time to bash trans women. Let's do it. So if you're listening to this on the podcast and aren't watching it on the YouTube, Crowder is standing in front of a Planet Fitness wearing a wig, uh, appears fake boobs, a purse, leggings. Um, yep. Yep, that's essentially it. Oh, and, and a shirt on top of the fake boobs. Sorry. I didn't know I had to be that specific. He's trying to act all kinky. He's walking like a woman up to the Planet Fitness has now entered the Planet Fitness. Doing well, how are you? First timer. Oh, I like everything's color branded. It's so, I feel like I stepped into Star Wars. So, I mean, it looks like he brought this like secret camera in to catch people's reactions. He caught one guy's reaction there. It was a guy just looking at him, just looking at him. What I find interesting too is that Crowder assuming a trans woman voice is using his regular voice, but with just more of a lisp in it. Um, so I, I'm not sure how much that actually fits trans identity or how much you're just trying to bait people's attention. Do you have, you don't have a squat rack at all? Okay. That, so that would be the closest thing. Forget that. I, forget my head if it wasn't attached. Just one thing, careful to your back. It's you can hurt your back. It's a little rounded. Just make sure it's flat. I'm not even necessarily sure what he's trying to prove here. Like that was actually good advice, and that guy had a pretty normal reaction to Crowder's antics. Excuse me. I just need uh, just some help to get the weight up, and in case I just you know just in case for safety, but I should be good. See, I mean, that's just like really like just some obvious baiting into attention by like bringing that young man who he had let know had poor weightlifting form to also help him lift these weights over here. And then he did like, I should be good. I think he did a provocative pose with his butt down. I don't, I don't even see a reaction from the guy that he asked here. What is the point of this? Like nobody's even this. What? Help me get these weights just. So he also shows like a brief clip of these two women laughing, and I can't tell if they're necessarily laughing at him. Um, he did have like a pretty wide splits, so congrats Crowder for that. Pretty wide. Um, but I'm not sure because it was a weird edit. So that's I don't I don't really know what I'm watching at all. Uh, just help lift them up. <laughs> okay. He's Lifting weights so at the back press. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. 
Okay, thank you. <sighs> okay, I was good. Thank you. I just need help lifting up. Okay. What was that? Oh, it's trying to run away. I said it was trying to run away. So the alarm, apparently Planet Fitness has an alarm when you drop weights too hard and the alarm went off. Um, but again, like none of this has anything to do with being trans. Like Crowder just got in drag and thought that this would make a good video. I don't even know what is going on here. Like this, this nothing is going on here. This is utterly pointless. Hey, from me, I'm trying to get at all. Okay, so that time when he exhaled, he did like a little whimper, but again, I don't understand what the joke is or what the point of this is other than it's Crowder and Drag working out. Like, what? what is this? He dropped the weights again. First day, I was flagged as a lunk. They even had bright lights and giant loud sirens. After this, I was officially banned from Planet Fitness. I tried to join another location, but it had already been flagged as seen here. But why are you telling me that I'm insincere? Are you saying that because that's hilarious? The dude at Planet Fitness said that Crowder's being insin insincere. Crowder then asks, "How do you know I'm being insincere?" The man replies, "I know who you are." Awesome. Awesome. That's a pre-transition ID. Is that why? Have a good day, Stephen. Exactly, Stephen. Like, everybody knows that wherever you're going, it's not out of a good faith position. And that was really dumb. That was so dumb. What? What is that to you? Who laughed at that? For love of God. Okay. All right, we made it through that. But that's not, that's not the end of Crowder's transphobic train today. No, it's not. I think this video came out a week ago, but it only popped up on my recommendations yesterday yeah it comes from february 25th and apparently crowder has everything we need to know about the new assistant secretary of the human health and human services department rachel levine who is a trans woman apparently crowder has everything literally everything we need to know and I'm hoping it's policy statements where she stands on welfare and the, the food stamp program and, you know, getting the, the help that people need during a pandemic or other health services, such as maybe like mental health, you know, you know, for broadening that availability across the board. Who I, I haven't discovered all of Rachel Levine's positions, but I'm hoping I can do so with this. But I probably won't. So it's time now for uh, the diversity hire of the week. Oh, I paused it. People say, why do you spend so much time on this when they're, look, we've spent time obviously on voter fraud. Big tech is the, the most important issue, uh, I think, as it relates to certainly our job on the yeah. travel of, of information. However, see, that's very funny that he's like, we, we, we cover a variety of issues. And one of them was the big tech and how he feels that it's a big issue when it is a big issue for his internet show, but it isn't an actual issue for your your struggles in your day-to-day -day life that really mostly has to deal with crowder and he spends a lot of time getting you mad at big tech for him more important than president is if if 
men and women cease to exist, if we as a society no longer say that there are mothers and fathers, daughters and sons, sisters, brothers, and that there's a different way to rear them, that there's a different way to treat them, that they serve different roles in the family in helping their children, that they can serve complementary roles in the community, that we are inherently valuable and different, which is, as a Christian, what we believe, fearfully and wonderfully created. If we remove the idea... That's funny because Christians don't necessarily believe that everybody is inherently different. And that really shows in how they judge people based on their sexuality and then pre-21st century judge people based on their skin color and even for longer judging people on uh, a ton of aspects of their lives. Um, idea of men and women, if we make them fundamentally interchangeable, uh, I do believe that Western civilization will, will, will cease to exist. I really do. That is yeah. the foundation. It's the bedrock. You cannot have a free country. You cannot have a country with minimal to no government intrusion without having smaller centralized units. So this is why also yeah. it's important when people say, well, why is the government and the mayor running business? And I understand. I'd rather we have civil unions than the government. I find it fascinating how Crowder could say that we can't have a free country without having uh, like a, a structure like the nuclear family. Without having that fam uh, family structure, we can't have a free country. But it's yet like he wants to use the government in order to ensure that we have that nuclear family. So that's a weird way to go about that, like oppressing the individual freedom so that the freedom of the country persists. Is that what we're arguing for here? Uh, the church be out of marriage. But this is why that before federal government, before state government, you had to have the family. You had yeah. to have a nuclear family and that these people had to have some kind of self-governing principles. And that means... I mean, we can all agree on like a baseline value here that the nuclear family is only made so that they can birth children to serve the nation. It has no purpose in actual, like, the, the actual concept and feeling of love. It has no basis in that whatsoever. Because regardless of who you love, you have to be in a nuclear family. So it's, it's such an abridgment of liberty that it's so ridiculous to argue that it's the bedrock of it. Complementarianism, that means a mom, a dad. And it doesn't mean that single parents, are, no, look, because, like, honestly, like, tribes with, like, a much larger community that had, like, family members extending outwards into the whole community, I bet were much stronger in cooperation than a family of four. And then all of a sudden, a family of four expected to cooperate with another family of four that hardly knows each other. There's obviously, there, one parent is better than none, but we're yeah. talking about the ideal, the foundation upon which we build society. Yeah. And I do think that that matters more than anything else. And especially when we also we talk about speech laws. And if you can be silenced or jailed in places like Canada or the UK for using what is undoubtedly 100% scientifically the appropriate biological term and was the appropriate term in the LGBT community until four years ago, free speech ceases to exist. So you can always bring up biology and biology is separate from gender identity. Um, that's, that's kind of the thing is it's more fixed to identity. It's more of how your brain works and not necessarily the genitalia that you're born with where biology focuses. Um, so yeah, are you starting it's to get just it's just unfortunate that the conservatives only have that field to play in is that biology is gender and gender is biology. And you can't play outside of that by ballpark that gender is a social construct that we've abstracted so that we can have a society or have a functioning uh, community. Um, it's just it's very funny. It's just like because you can never have a good faith or discussion that moves anywhere outside of the ballpark that gender is biology and biology is gender. You can't 
can't move outside of there. It's impossible. Get the picture as to why it matters to me mm. so much. So now you have someone who's the assistant secretary to HHS who actually is coming for your children. What do I mean by this? This person is as radical as radical can be and is the first publicly announced sort of, I guess you would say, pseudo-cabinet pick from Biden because it was a rush to say, look, we have trans. Yeah. Um, they want you, and this will become policy and it will become hate speech to speak out against it. Rachel Levine, doctor, advocates putting your children and allowing them to on puberty blockers. I like how he said she's coming for your children as like she's going to send Gestapo to your house to force your child to transition. That's very funny. And then and then right before he lets her speak, he reframes it as into allows your children. That's very funny. Remember puberty? Wasn't that fun? Wasn't, wasn't, that, wasn't that a lot of fun? Um, so what if you're going through the wrong puberty? What oh. if you're a oh, transgender possible? young woman, meaning male to female, and and now you're getting, you know, your voice is dropping, you're getting bigger, you're getting hair everywhere, and you're growing those tentacles, you know? Um, and and mm -hmm. what if you're a transgender young man, and now you have breast development in periods? It can be terrifying. Yeah, so here's two examples. So 17-year-old young, uh, young man that I saw in clinic, we treated him, he was given intramuscular testosterone, he is now in his 20s and he's doing great. 16-year-old young transgender woman given spironolactone and estrogen and transitioned and um, now is in graduate school in her early 20s and did absolutely fantastic. And this is going to be taught to your children alongside, hey, remember we taught this when we were to, to kids? Hey, you're going to notice some changes. You're going to have yeah. hair where there wasn't hair before. And hey, your voice is going to... No one's going to come up to their child and teach them that their puberty isn't the one that matches their biology or that matches their gender identity. Like that's something that somebody feels inside it would probably bring to you. So that really depends on your reaction as a parent to it. It. Not necessarily that you're going to teach your kid, hey, when you go through puberty, you might start questioning your gender. Like, no, that doesn't need to be part of the conversation unless they're already questioning their gender, which is a far deeper discussion to have with your child. Um, so that I, I don't even know where to begin with that. But the the just outright unacceptance of the existence is just such an affront to me. It's it's it's, uh, it's so bad. To change you're gonna start being attracted to women also by the way your dick may bleed which might as well just be a vagina and you may be a woman and it's all the same and it's not okay and it's okay and it's not okay but that's okay <laughs> this is how unironically radical this person who is going to have a say in what you can and can't do with your own and your children's health as a legal parent this is how unironically radical dr levine is she has less to do with like telling parents how to handle their children than actually just allowing policy that, uh, you know, gives rights to trans people. That's it has a lot less to do with actual interaction with your parents or you being a parent. It has a lot more to do just with government policy. So if I said LGBT, I think that almost everyone in the audience would know what I mean. I'm if sure I said an LGBTQQIAAP. How many people know what I mean? P, P can mean pansexual, polysexual, pangender, polygender, and there are lots of other terms, two-spirit, and I could go on and basically spend the entire 45 minutes talking about different... See, and they're laughing right now, which is funny because he was saying earlier that Christians have a fundamental belief that there's difference in humanity, but when she starts explaining that there's differences in humanity, they start laughing. It's a joke. Their beliefs are a joke alphabet soup. 
then that's the point. I could spend the entire yeah. 45 minutes. I could spend the entire year trying to lay down landmines as I walk backwards in regards to pronoun, and the rest of society just uh, wouldn't get anything done. Oh, well, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, sounds like a plan. I now understand the point to all of this hmm. tomfoolery, a bullshit. I don't know the scientific <laughs> yeah. nomenclature. I'm just doing my best, Z, Dr. Zayas. So let's explain why puberty- I like how he used the pronoun Z, which is basically like a meme now from the internet that only right-wingers use to, to, to highlight how ridiculous using preferred pronouns is. So like, that's not even her prefer pre uh, preferred pronoun, but he's gonna continue using it on her because he's a transphobe. Blockers are bad. Okay, let me explain with the scientific literature here, lest you think I'm committing hate speech. They say, oh, puberty blockers. They just say, if, if, if then the kid realizes that they're not trans. I have to pause to read this. 0% to 4% of the control boys. Green also reported on the gender identity status of the 44 previously feminine boys. He found that only one youth at the age of 18 years was gender dysphoric to the extent of considering sex reassignment surgery. Hmm. Hmm. Never mind that transitioning treatment has not been shown to reduce the extraordinary high rate of suicide attempts among people who identify as transgender, 41% compared with 4.6% of the general population. Yeah, the, the, the suicide thing that always comes up, and it goes into this argument that transgender people suffer from a mental illness, and I, I don't know. I think it has a lot more to do with the environment and our acceptance of what people are supposed to display in their public appearance and our imagery and our categories for them. So um, I'm not going to say that transgender people are inherently going to commit suicide. I just think that our society wants to push them that way. You can just go off the puberty blockers. If adolescents don't get on puberty blockers, don't go through any transition, most yeah. adolescents and children who claim that they're trans, 98% of them grow out of it. 98% of them grow out of it. Wow. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, why are you actually saying that like it's a good thing? Yep. Now, <laughs> correct. Wait, hold on. Some of you get on puberty blockers. Let me get that statistic the kid again. realizes that they're not trans, you can just go off the puberty blockers. If adolescents don't get on puberty blockers, don't go through any transition, most yeah. adolescents and children who claim that they're trans, 98% of them grow out of it. 98% of them grow out of it. Wow. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, why are you actually saying that like it's a good thing? Yep. Now, <laughs> correct. I mean, it's fine. If, if kids go through gender dysphoria, don't get the hormones, and then decide to stick with the gender that they've been assigned to since birth, that's fine. Thing. Here's why. Let me explain to you why. It's a numbers game. Yeah. And I'm not even a, I, we don't even have a math Asian here. No. For those who do undergo- Did he really just say that they don't have a math Asian there? Are you serious? Like you can't do math without an Asian there? What? God, dude, the show is just so obviously um... puberty blockers. So ninety-eight percent they don't undergo puberty blockers or hormone therapy. They grow out of it. Yeah. For those who do, zero percent. Zero percent grow out of it. Now I understand you're saying, well, that just means that 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 clearly the person who is on mind altering, and I do mean mind altering, when we know what we know yeah. about the endocrine uh, the endocrine system with hormones and neurotransmitters, how often they are one and the same. Okay, so in order to be who they truly are, the mind altering I mean, hormones are needed. All right, but let's still use that. I mean, tes testosterone and estrogen do affect your mind a bit, um, and it, it, but it's not enough to like brainwash and disillusion your, your attachments to reality, especially if you're knowingly using them. Um, I just want to highlight here, since he's bringing up um, neurology, and he's not 
bringing up all of it. There's a paper from Harvard that says uh, trans people, quote, appear to be born with brains more similar to the gender with which they identify rather than the one to which they were assigned. So the reason why that that zero percent might be there is not because they're brainwashed by testosterone or estrogen, but because they're actually more committed to their to their identity. So, uh, yeah, that argument. And let's get to the real to the, the ones who probably don't take uh, blockers either, because, you know, some of them are probably because their parents won't give them the OK to do so, which is also within the parents. Right, I guess. But also. Um, they're probably not that committed to making the full transition if they're going to if they're going to not take the the hormone blockers so the you know trans the identity itself doesn't come overnight and so it does take people to go on their own self journeys before they realize uh who they are but we're not having a very nuanced talk about it at all it's just it's a sickness to these people because people who are transgender are 19 times more likely to attempt suicide. Wow. We know Ooh. that. And and I think that it has to deal with more of acceptance in society. I did find something that was also very interesting here. There was a, a trans king in the 17th century. Um, Christina, the 17th century queen slash king of Sweden, presented as a man and likely would identify as trans today. Um, so there's some research of uh, actual royalty that went uh full trans in front of their whole citizenry so and it's from the 17th century so any argument that this is a new phenomenon based on our uh weak privileged society is also wrong it's about like 40 to 43 percent attempted suicide rate Jeez. do you know what it is after they transition about 40 to 43 percent suicide it doesn't get any better oh, so wow. you go from a because even making the transition doesn't necessarily make you fit inside society that that's it's 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 a much broader aspect it's not a mental illness that causes people that if, that they ha like already have depression that's not necessarily it but there's a lot of trauma that goes into being a trans person especially if how publicly you are about it and how people around you receive it so there's just so much nuance and variation to this to have this very small-minded argument against it is um repetitive because these are all the talking points that right-wingers always go to when denying the existence of trans people 98 percent chance that your children will not be in the 19 times suicide rate demographic to a 100%, if you put them on puberty blockers, chance that they end up in that 19 times suicide demographic. Now, I know what you'll say. I know what people will say. The suicide that doesn't make sense that you, you, you become 100% more likely to be in the 19 percentile. Like, what? come on, dude. Come on. That like, obviously, you need someone there to help you do math. Thing. Well, the suicide thing is only because of how society has treated them. Well, not according to that article that we talked about with the 50-year-old playing college female Oops. basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Because Z said, when I came out to my teammates, they were shocked. So it would change <laughs> after trans... What does he mean by shocked? Were they accepting or were they not? Because that's what makes the difference. Transition, right? We're not just talking yeah. about barely passables. It would change. It doesn't change. Yeah. That's it's they, they advocate for this before the age of consent. Yeah, you can't consent to sex, but you can make decisions that permanently alter and or damage yeah. your sexual yeah. function yeah. for the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, and look, somebody who's been suicidal, like when he says sexual functions, there's also like no proof or science behind that. Sure, there's like transition surgeries that probably go wrong, and an incompetent doctor really messes you up, but. 
Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of trans people are still sexually active. That's nothing is ruined. The only thing I guess that is ruined is their reproductive ability. But honestly, with so much unacceptance of their being, why would they want? Why would they want to bring children into this world? Like it's so, it's so hard to want to bring them into a society that is just so unaccepting to anything different. Like myself, and even more so as this conversation goes on. <laughs> I have to honestly say, it, it, depression is depression. Right. You can't just put a label on it and go, it's the way society treated you. Depression and sadness are two very different things. Right. Depression is a mental illness. It's one that I have. Yeah. It's something that will make you kill your... It has nothing to do with it. That's not even a fair... Con it's not fair to say that that's how they were treated, because everybody feels flawed and inferior mm. in a certain yeah. way. And you are boosting it up... You can't feel flawed or inferior without the reflection of a mirror that is society. How are you going to say right now that depression has nothing to do with society when your two examples of flawed and inferiority come exactly from reflecting yourself upon others? By doing this. And thing. I've talked about this before, too, as someone who struggles with depression. Yeah, everybody um, gets sad, Crowder. You and I in the studio together. That's no, not like that's a problem. And there are a lot of chords around. I made Kool-Aid. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Um, it's, it's also depression is always something people are constantly throwing around without any actual like clinical assessment of it. And I hate that. I, I'm not even willing to claim that I'm a, I'm, I'm a true depressant, even though I have days where things are empty and I don't want to do anything, but like, I'm not willing to put myself in the margin without professional help. So I, I, I just don't like it when rich people just throw it out there whimsically. It's important to note, American slaves didn't have a, an attempted suicide rate of yeah. that level. Wow. Are you serious? Like, attempted slaves having the opportunity to, to commit suicide, like, it's a lot harder for them. They're in a controlled environment. I'm sure that the, 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 the master would probably try to keep as many knives away from them as possible. Let's talk about the, the escape rate, then, if we're going to talk about escaping slavery, Crowder. Jews yeah. in the Holocaust didn't have a higher attempted suicide rate. Yet again, that's another predicament where people are locked against their will, and it's very unlikely that they're going to leave them things that doesn't that allows them to take their autonomy back. I hate to admit it, but suicide is a form of a human being taking the power into their own hands, and there's no way that any slave master or SS of a Jewish prisoner is going to allow them to kill themselves. That's their job. That's their property, so that's th they're going to take care of it. But let's be clear about that. The only group That's that insane. does, paranoid schizophrenics. Now, you can't say it. You can't say Wait, that what? it's similar for some have a, didn't have a, an attempted suicide rate of yeah. that level. Wow. Jews yeah. in the Holocaust didn't have a higher attempted suicide rate. Let's be clear about that. The only group That's that insane. does, paranoid schizophrenics. Now, you can't say it. You can't say that it's similar for some. Yeah, but correlation isn't causation, Crowder. So just because schizophrenics have the same uh, suicide rate as uh, transgender people doesn't mean that it's the same causation which you're trying to equivocate to mental illness. Someone who believes... And let's also talk the, about the acceptance of schizophrenic people in our society, Crowder. Let's talk about how we treat tr schizophrenics too. Let's just, let's do that. Let's have that conversation as to why they would want to commit suicide. Something that is in direct opposition that's antithetical to their biology yeah. and, and by the way you know what happens i know this is something these are the same people who drink from bpa free uh plastic which now isn't yeah. enough so they have to drink from glass right and anytime you're at the gym they have a glass bottle and you're going there to just get they're like no 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 
glass is the cleanest way to drink your your substances i had to like research it because i i gave up plastic a little bit ago and i moved to aluminum because aluminum is like really good at holding the temperature of a liquid but then i found out aluminum causes alzheimer's so uh glass is the most effective way of containing your liquids without poisoning yourself yeah don't touch my bottle. Don't bring it to the gym, asshat, okay? Don't bring glass, <laughs> all right? You're not going to grow tits because you're drinking from an Ozark bottle. It'll be okay. I don't think it's growing tits that people are worried about. I think it's growing cancer cells. But here's the issue. We went to avoid BPAs, to avoid these xenoestrogens right in the yeah. atmosphere. And people talk about chemicals. They say we know that it's cancerous. When injected directly into a nine-year-old boy's However, well, the science isn't in yet. We know what excess estrogen does to the male body. It's not good. It's actually. Do we know that actually goes into trans people? Does it? Not as harmful as more testosterone for women, but that's not good either because excess estrogen is bad for women. It is fatal, cancerous for men. We know it. Let's yeah. not act like the science isn't in. Just say, look, this is our agenda, and we don't care if we put... Yeah, but just because a trans a trans woman is on, you know, uh, supplemental estrogen doesn't mean that they're going to have an excess of estrogen. Like, a lot of this comes from actually visiting a doctor. Most trans people have to actually have a significant amount of money to fully transition. So this is coming from a made-up place that he's only equating things that sound ridiculous to him and is feeding it to the rest of his crowd. Great. There's no science in this whatsoever, but he's claiming it is. ...them into a very shallow, suicidal, or cancer-ridden grave, and, try, and then see if people believe it's empathetic. I, I, I hate that we are now turning a generation of kids into basically a study group. Right. We yeah. have a, and we have a generation of parents who have... Well, that's the thing, too, is like I said earlier, is that trans is not a new phenomenon. There was a 17th century king-queen. Um, the... Thing is, though, is that the science to actually transition has come much further. And so that's what we're seeing. And unfortunately, with science, there is experiments and there's going to be um, rights that are corrected out of wrongs. So, yes, they're being experimented on. But that comes with any new technology. Our entire generation was also the experiment of the Internet. We're still going through that entirely. So let's not pretend that anybody is excluded from being an experiment, a part of the social experiment that is society. Basically said, I have no responsibility to help my kids go through a difficult phase. Right. Uh, you, you're feeling that way? Okay, fine. You're trans. You're feeling that way? Okay, you're gay. You're lesbian. You're whatever, right? You were just How about we just don't tell people who they are? How about we do that? Just born this way. That's okay. We'll just, we'll just deal with it. Instead of saying, hey, I love you. Let's work through this. Yeah. What, the most caring thing to do, it would seem, is to say, hey, let's, let's make sure there's a 98% chance that things work out. And guess what? If it doesn't work out by then, fine. If you're a liberal parent and you want to still let them do something when they're of the age of consent, say it's 16, fine. You can drive a car. You can chop off your penis. Yeah. Happy I birthday. Would, but I would support my kids. I don't think it's chopping off your penis so much as it is just turning it inside out. So again, we're you know, avoiding science here. Over absolutely anything, but just because he's six, if he comes to me and goes, "Yeah, hey, I'm Superman. I'm not gonna throw him off a roof." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's see if that's true. He's not gonna tell him he's not Superman either, though. You're not gonna crush a kid's dreams when it's that fantastical. I bet you wouldn't. Like my parents let me wear a Batman cape for all of time, but you don't see me going out in the middle of midnight beating up, you know, common crooks. Roof. Let's just yeah. start by wearing some kryptonite quartz earrings. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> How do you check feel? out. How do you feel in the cape and your mother's heels? Yeah. <laughs>
By the way, I have those numbers you were asking for. A Gallup poll from. Tw- <laughs> by the way, here is uh, here is uh, Doctor Levine's uh, thoughts on psychological evaluations for. Okay, so you know why I talked about wages and uh, food supplies in the earlier set of this podcast is because that deals specifically with human uh, health and human services, with getting food out to people, with getting welfare programs out to people, to getting sufficient wages out to people, setting guidelines for people on their health. He is not talking anything about the actual Department of Human or Health and Human Services, and this is merely only focusing on the fact that the assistant secretary is a trans woman. This is literally vacant for anything that would help any working class individual whatsoever, and only builds the opposition to human and health or health and human services on the on the basis that it's run by a trans woman. That is just dumb. Children transitioning. Not needed. It still does recommend a psychological evaluation. Um, that's the kind of controversial. Book, if you want other types of hormone treatment, if you want um, uh, need hormone treatment for menopause, see, they don't. She's even saying here that you don't just get hormones, hormone blockers, or hormone increases. You need a psychological evaluation. You don't need to have a psychological evaluation. What? If you are a man, man in their 40s, 50s, or 60s and you need testosterone um, or Viagra, they don't recommend a psychological evaluation. Maybe they should, but they don't. Um, and and did Z, uh, did, so, and if you want a nose job... See, did you hear him say, did Z? He's still using that pronoun that is only a right-wing meme at this point because he's a transphobe. You don't need a psychological evaluation, but if you want... And I to- like how he's keeping it in his holster, so, like, at any moment he can go, Z. It's a Z. 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 And just, you know, shoot it all across the whackness of this studio floor. Under confirmation surgery, you... Let me, let me, you think it's more unreasonable for a man who has been sexually active his whole life and let's say is in his 70s and still wants to be intimate with his wife, but because of age, even though he's sexually aroused, the hydraulics don't work to take clinically trialed medication to assist him in his intimacy with his wife. You believe that should require a psychiatric evaluation, but not somebody who wants to cut their penis in half like the Five Guys hot dog. I said I would fit it in there and invert it and take estrogen. Which, of course, would uh, create brittle... I mean, she's saying, why would we do them for trans people if we don't do them for men who want to be more sexually active? So I want to go back to the beginning of her quote. I got lost a little bit. ...for children transitioning. Not needed. It still does recommend a psychological evaluation. Um, That's kind of controversial if you want other types of hormone treatment, if you want... um, I need hormone treatment for menopause. You don't need to have a psychological evaluation. What? If you are a man, man in their 40s, 50s, or 60s, and you need testosterone um, or Viagra, they don't recommend a psychological evaluation. Maybe they should, but they don't. Um, and and uh, so, and if you want a nose job, you don't need a psychological evaluation. But if you want gender confirmation surgery, you let me let me. Okay, so she is making the point that cycle evaluation is a bit arbitrary for trans people when we allow. Uh, women to get estrogen during menopause or people to get nose jobs or for men to become more sexually active. So I guess she's pointing out an arbitrariness in the law. 
You think it's more unreasonable for a man who has been sexually active his whole life and let's say is in his 70s and still wants to be intimate with his wife, but because of age, even though he's sexually aroused, the hydraulics don't work to take clinically trialed medication to assist him in his intimacy with his wife. You believe that should require a psychiatric evaluation, but not somebody who wants to cut their penis in half like the... Uh, she made a joke because men that are at that age that want to be sexually active have no reproductive value whatsoever. So the joke is, is that like, if we're going to make that argument for everybody else, why not make it for 70 year old men who want to take Viagra? I've got it, hot dog. And it's very funny, me, funny to me that the comedian does not get a joke. That's funny. I said I would fit it in there and oh. invert it and take estrogen, Phrasing. which of course would uh, create brittle bones and likelihood of cancer for the rest of their life. Very funny. That is hilarious that like taking estrogen creates brittle bones that basically all women just have brittle bones. <laughs> That's Oh man, just the unenlightenedness of this show all the time, all the like, time. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, I do think one requires a psychological evaluation. <laughs> and I love how dismissive Levine yeah, is, but... by the way, of the DSM-5. Because keep in mind, DSM-4 had gender dysphoria as a mental illness. And yeah. then they changed it to the DSM-5. So it's still not enough of a moving goalpost. The DSM-5 now says it's not a mental illness. Gender dysphoria are the symptoms of someone born in the wrong body. But it's still not enough because they say, uh, because sometimes there are similar traits with other body dysmorphias, we recommend a psychological evaluation. DSM-5, which really was bunning over backwards to not be hate speech, is still hate speech. The resume of Dr. Uh, he framed that for her and there's actually no proof that she said that DM5 is hate speech But the thing about classification for a lot of these things is that it's also too arbitrary by a Dispassionate law that does not care the CCP the communist or the Chinese Communist Party just said that homosexuality is a mental illness So if we're gonna really take government's authority to say what is okay and who needs psychological evaluations We're obviously off the mark here because he's making the same argument that makes it okay for the CCP to say that homosexuality is a mental illness. Dr. Levine, well, really all we have is worked in Pennsylvania. Um, and in Pennsylvania, as a doctor, opposed um, a bill that implemented a 20-week limit on abortions uh, and banned dismemberment abortions. We have this here from PA.gov. As a physician, my duty to my patients is to provide the most appropriate medical care. This legislation undermines that trust limits the ability of doctors to exercise their own judgment with regard to their patients. That's just my politics, the idea of abortion, right? 20 weeks. This may be a little nutty. Um, so let's go to what uh, Rachel Levine, Dr. Levine, has done in Pennsylvania, how uh, Rachel Levine has helped their citizens. Uh, Pennsylvania, by the way, had one of the worst COVID rollouts in the country, hmm. right, as far as vaccine rollouts, well, when you look at their oops. plans. And uh, Levine actually instituted a COVID nursing home policy, much like professional uh, sexual assaulter in chief Andrew Cuomo. Ah. Yeah, so did Florida and so did Arizona. There was multiple states that did this nursing home thing and it was wrong and it shouldn't have been done and it was rolled out poorly that uh, forced nursing homes to readmit COVID-positive patients. So, so that's a bad thing to do, right, as far as what's been <laughs> under Z's watch. But do you know what's really... He did it again. He did it again. Crappy. <laughs> is behind the scenes, uh, Z, Dr. Levine, And he did it again. Doc Rachel's own mother from a nursing home before instituting this oh, policy. Ah, so it's kind of like insider trading with dead Mimas. Yeah, I mean, that's not ethically right to do either, but of course she saw the dangers of having her uh, grandma in a nursing home during a pandemic. Um, but yeah, that's not necessarily like 
yeah, anybody that rolled out that policy um, should definitely have investigations and see how badly their uh, states were affected by that policy because it was actually a pretty bad one. So Cuomo should definitely answer for that. So should Florida, uh, Ron DeSantis. I think Arizona also rolled it out, maybe even Texas. There was multiple states that have rolled that out, and every one of them should face investigation and accountability where it applies. But did we talk literally anything truly substantial of what health and human services should do in this time period no we did not and that is louder with crowder completely vacant of any substance i want to thank you for joining me on talks news um like if you like the video dislike if you don't um follow me on twitter at toxinpod t-o-x-n-p-o-d and yeah i'll be back wednesday with more nonsensical malarkey of defiance i pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. Thank you.